And I really think we could just be like, okay, let's have fellowship and go home. But I sought the Lord, um, seeking for a word, word of what he might want to say to you. And every time I seek the Lord for a word, I can't have it just be something that, um, oh, it's for you. It has to be something for me, too. And I have to have actually been through it so I can understand it um, and say, I've been there, done that. I'm in the middle of it. I'm applying it in my life. I'm working through it, too. So um, what I'm talking about is not just something from Scripture. It's from experience. I may pause at certain points throughout um, the word because there may be things he doesn't um, want us to do today because like I said, you guys got fed a lot this morning already. So if I take a little pause, it's just because I'm waiting on him to really see what he wants to um, share with you this morning. Now, um, a couple things. I'm a provoker. I like to poke. I like to pride. Um, I like to keep it real. Um, and it's probably because God does it to me all the time. He's poking me all the time, um, pushing me, stretching me. Um, so you're going to get poked a little bit today. And I also need a little bit of participation from you. So I might be calling out on you. Um, sometimes if I'm asking you a question and it would be uncomfortable for you to tell the truth in front of everybody, you don't have to. You just be like, yeah, yeah, been there, done that, get it, I understand. But I may be asking you guys um, some questions along the way to provoke you a little bit. So um, today's word is called, It's Worth It. So as we're going over things here, just kind of keep that in mind a little bit. And we're going to talk about a subject that at least um, where we're at, it's not something uh, the pastors really talk about a lot. It's just not a subject that's talked um, about much from the pulpit, but it's an important one. And it's kind of been on our hearts a lot. It's been a buzzword around our house. Keith is just constantly being provoked with it. Um, and it's about eternity. We seem to talk a lot about um, this world and the daily things going on, but we never talk about eternity. So um, this word also is, that subject is so huge. And when you go to the word, there is so much. There is no way I could condense it into this period of time. There are so many aspects of it, so many pieces to it. It's like a gigantic puzzle, and I'm literally only bringing one piece to you. All this piece is going to do is provoke your thought. It's going to stretch your mind a little bit. Um, some of it you might think I'm crazy, and some of it your pastors um, or whoever's you know, bringing the word may, um, they're going to have to do more follow-up on it because this is just a little piece of it. So um, let's see. There's a couple things that we kind of need to establish first as a foundation before we talk about eternity. And so... What do we, how do we see, and if you want to yell it out, you can, or you can just kind of say it to yourself, whatever, but how do we receive eternal salvation? These are kind of basic Christian fundamentals that how do we receive our salvation? Exactly. We ask Jesus into our hearts. And by that, it is not something that we have done. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough good deeds. I can't be the nicest person and, oh, that's getting me into heaven. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with Jesus dying for our sins. We ask him into our hearts, and then he makes the way to allow us to be able to have an eternity with him, to have that eternal salvation. So it's nothing you can do that would be good enough to get you in there. It's all through him and because of him. And I'm just going to give a couple scriptures um, 
to back some of the things up that I'm talking about. So uh, the first one is John, it's the basic one that everybody knows, keeping it really simple here, is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that so whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. He's just letting eternal, eternity resonate with you a little bit. Ephesians 2, 8, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one can boast and say, oh, I did this and I did that, and that's why I'm getting into heaven because I'm, I'm all that. Um, it's not going to work that way. God actually works quite the opposite. And he knows your heart, and he knows your heart intentions, and that's what has to do with it, is your heart. Um, so with that, we receive um, Christ into our heart, we receive eternal salvation, and then, um, I'm assuming because of that, you believe in a heaven? We can we kind of say everybody here believes in that? Um, and then the opposite? Strangely enough, some people don't, you know, believe in an afterlife. Um, we believe in hell. So we're going to one place or the other for an eternity. Now, how long, some of you, and maybe Steve, I mean, um, Nicholas, in school, you learn about different things about numbers and math, and how long do you think eternity is? Like, can you come up with the highest number that you can think of in your mind? Ten gazillion. Ten gazillion. Okay. So I'm going to take my little notebook here, and I meant to grab a marker, but I'll just use this pen. It's really simple, just one little thing. So we're going to take Nicholas's number of ten gazillion, and we're just going to draw a line here. So we're going to say ten gazillion goes on and on. And we know that eternity goes on forever. There is no end. It's, it's like Buzz Lightyear, infinity and beyond. It just keeps going and going and going. So um, now I'm going to share a little statistic with you. Can any, and some of this will be depressing for you. Others you'll be like, woohoo, God's in my life and um, gave me a few extra years. But does anybody know what the national average is for our lifespan here in the United States? Any guesses of how, what they're saying the average is for men and women to live? You're close. Um, sadly, uh, you men, uh, we get a few more years than you. I'm not sure what you're doing to uh, have that happen, but um, uh, for men, it's 75. 75 is the average age, your average lifespan in America. And for women, it's 80. So the average between the two is 78. Now, if you go to uh, Japan, they live longer there. So if anybody wants to live longer, you can go to Japan and gain four or five extra years. But let's just be generous and say that we make it to live 100 years. So on this little chart here, you like that? Um, we're going to put 100. If this is 10 gazillion, then actually that is even way more than 100. 100 would probably look like that. Yeah, like a dot to this 10 gazillion. What I want to show you is that for some reason, as us Christians who know what our future holds for an eternity to 10 gazillion billion years and beyond, we never think about this. All we think about this. We think about this little dot that really doesn't even show up on a radar of your entire life with the Lord, but yet we put so much emphasis on that and everything that goes on here 
but we don't think about anything there. So this is the part that's going to provoke you a little bit. Um, because, and I'm guilty of this too. I think about now. I think about this week. I think about tomorrow. I think about today. I think about next month. I think about, you know, there are kids in college, and so I'm thinking next year, and I'm thinking finances, and I'm thinking this, this, this. Everybody pause for a minute. When is the last time you thought about eternity? When is the last time that you thought of anything you were doing in this life would have anything to do with your eternity? The reality is we don't. We just live in this world. We get caught up in this world. And by pondering this, I've been finding out how important my time in this world affects my eternity. But I'm so caught up in this world, I'm not preparing myself for that. It's kind of like your retirement. You know, they're always telling you, you've got to start setting aside for your retirement. You've got to set aside because one day you're going to be there and you're going to have nothing. And I will be honest with you, there are times because we don't really, you know, heaven is just like, oh, I can't wait to get there with God and everything's going to be wonderful. Um, I don't think about what my part is in it. I don't stop to think about, well, what is heaven? Do I just show up and we all have a great time and it's a big party? Um, once you start digging into it, you find out that's not the reality. Um, some people have just been sharing with us, oh, get yourself to heaven. That's what this part is going to be so great. But there's way more to it than that. So I'm here to tell you so you can start preparing yourself for that life. So we're going to dig in a little. Is it kind of um, provoking your thinking a little bit? Um, all right. In order to get into heaven, so we receive, you know, Jesus in our heart, and we receive eternal salvation. But there's also something else that we're all going to face. And that is going to be, um, before we can enter the gates of heaven, we have to go before the judgment seat. Now, I'm sure some of you have heard a little bit about that. Again, it's not something we dwell on. We don't want to think about that. And we want to think, oh, I've been good enough. I've done enough. Um, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to make it through. Well, I'm going to share a couple scriptures with you. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.10. Because some of this is so provoking, you would be like, okay, she, this can't be real. She's got to be kind of, she can't have it right, or she's dramatizing or whatever. So that's why I want to give you the scriptures to back it up. So 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all of us, all of us, appear before Christ's judgment seat in our true characters in order that each may then receive an award for his actions in this life. So I'm going to go before the judgment seat of God, but what my eternity looks like depends what I did in this life. But if I'm not thinking about that at all, I'm not going to be receiving much. Revelation 2.23 I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Another confirmation that what you do here is going to affect that eternity. Here's another one, just in case that wasn't enough. I need another little dig. Matthew 16:27. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. It's not, and there's more. 
I could go on. It's loaded. And I, again, I just don't know why we don't think about this. This should be part of our everyday decisions that we should make. It should be, does this have anything to do with eternity? Or is it just temporary? Is it just for right now? Now, it says he will repay each person according to what he has done. Okay, another thought. So that would mean, and I don't mean dollars, but God is, will pay each one of us. He will be giving us something. He will be giving us a reward. He will be giving us something that we can use in heaven. He wouldn't give me something when I get to the gates that I couldn't use while I was there. So if you think that you're just going to live this world in this world and then go to heaven and everything is just going to be... Now, obviously, there is no sin, there is no sickness, there's all of those things. But he has so much more for you there. And if we don't start living for eternity, you're not going to have as much as you could when you get there. He wants to give you these rewards, and this proves that he wouldn't give you something you couldn't use while you were there. So what you're doing here, he is going to reward you with there. It's something we can use in the kingdom. And each one of us is going to be different. Um, I'll go on a little bit. Uh, we, we don't all get paid the same. Not everyone has the same access. You don't get just an all-access pass just because you go to heaven. There may be some areas you can go to and some areas you can't um, because you maybe didn't either do something that God had planned for you to do while you were here. That hurts. And you don't want to find out when you get there when it's too late. Okay. Um, what are some ways, and, and the reason why I laid the foundation before about the good works is because it's not all about good works. It's our heart intent and motives. Um, so I wanted you to know that before I, I start talking about reward so much because we can't just go, oh, well, I'm going to do this because God's going to reward me. It doesn't work like that. So I wanted to lay that foundation first before I talk about rewards. So how are ways that we can receive rewards? Here are some things. Um, you can do good and you can be generous. If you're a good and generous person, that gives you a certain kind of reward in heaven. And here's a scripture. Timothy 6:17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So one way we can receive a reward in heaven is by being good, by being generous, being good stewards. Another way is serving. Serving gets you rewards in heaven. Ephesians 6, 7, 8. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do. So you're going to be rewarded for serving. Sometimes... Um, well, not sometimes. You will be rewarded for what God has given you 
for talent here on this earth, whether you use them or not. You will be rewarded or perhaps have something taken away. Oh, that sounds so harsh. Oh, God wouldn't do that. Oh, this is the kingdom of God. Oh, this is heaven. Oh, this is eternity. Okay. Well, we have the story of the talents where the three men, he passed the talents out to the three men. Each of them got something different. And depending on what they brought back, how they used their talents depended on their reward. Two of them used their talents. Now, they were talking about money, and you can say this about money, too. You can use it and say, um, we have to be good stewards of our money, and depending how we use it for God and that kind of thing, we will be accountable for that. Um, You can also use it in the real sense of the word talent, your gifts and your callings. If he has given you a specific gift and calling, and you're not using it, number one, you won't be rewarded for it, but let me tell you the scriptures um, of that. Um, scenario, the talents that were given out and what God said to each one of them as um, he was, as they brought back and said what they did with what God had given them. Um, Well done, good and faithful servant. We all want to hear that, don't we? You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That was the one. The other one, uh, actually, he he pretty much said the same thing to two of them. They had had used the talents well. They were smart um, with what they had done. But on the last one, who went and buried his and didn't do anything with it, he said, you wicked, lazy servant. Um, You should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. He took, God gave them all a gift and a talent. And so we think that those could be with us forever. But if we're not using it, why is God going to keep that gift and talent with you? He's going to give it to somebody who's actually using it. So in this case, he took it away and he gave it to someone else. We are going to be accountable for what God has called us to do in this world. Um, One more scripture for that. And let's see. Let me just find it here. It was a good one. Okay, all right. Now, this one's kind of fun. Um, you'll be glad to know, because I bet a bunch of you have a, a lot of rewards for this one. It's Matthew 5:11. Blessed are you when people insult you. Have you ever been insulted? You're going to get rewarded for that. Listen, blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Christ. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. So all these daily things that we go to, all these daily struggles, depending how we work through them, how we react to them, you will be rewarded for that every time you're persecuted for the sake of Jesus. Every struggle that you go to because God is trying to stretch you and make you more, make you more like him, he's going to reward you for going through that there's a reason for it, and you get rewarded in heaven. All right. Now, on the flip side, how can we um, lose a reward? I'm going to tell you a few of those. One would be by focusing too much on the things of this world. This is temporary. Our chart showed you that. This world is temporary. The things that go on here is temporary. But if you put too much into it, 
you definitely will not receive a reward. Matthew 6:19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy and where their thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor dust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. We want eternal rewards, not just the ones on this earth. Now, it doesn't mean you can't have nice clothes or nice car. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. But if that is where your focus is, God knows that. So you're not thinking about eternity. You're not thinking about your future in this eternal life. You're just thinking about right now. You're thinking about the temporary that you can't take with you. How many people have someone who have, um, well, everybody's had somebody who's passed away in their lives, and you've heard of some sort of either will or things are being left, um, inheritances and stuff like that. Why do we do that? Why do we have wills? Why do we say who gets what piece of furniture? Who gets what um, money? Because you can't take it. It stays here. It has no value in heaven. It has no value to your eternity. It's just this little dot, and we get so caught up and worked up in this little dot that really doesn't even show up on the scale of life. Um, it depends on what you sow. Galatians 6, 9. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Another way um, we can lose our reward in heaven is um, by pride and by being boastful about me and myself and I, letting everybody know what you did, how awesome you are, how many people you took care of this week. Um, Matthew 6, 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So you basically nullified the good deed that you did, the reward that you got, because the heart where it matters um, was prideful and pride will erase that reward um, let's see we want a lot of it's just it's the way that we are made in this world we want recognition for the things that we do um You want to fit in, you want to be cool, you want to be recognized, and it's even to the point of we have social media, which is out of control, that everybody's on their phone, oh, I posted a picture, how many people are going to like it, how many people are going to love it? Um, I don't tweet, but I hear like if somebody gets something retweeted, it's like this really cool thing, oh my gosh, they retweeted what I said, and we're so obsessed with this, and I looked up a a statistic just for the heck of it, Um, and in 2014, it was called the year of the selfie because you're all into yourself and wanting this recognition and wanting to be seen and wanting to be cool and wanting to have the best picture of the food that you ate and the best vacation picture and the best selfie. Um, Over 33,000 people were injured in the year of 2014 trying to take a selfie. 
And I know ones that have been reported where they've been killed. They're like trying to do it on the side of a mountain. And how bad is that, that we're trying to seek recognition that bad that we would be willing to maim ourselves, injure ourselves, or die? That's sad. That's really sad. Um, where are we at for time here? Okay. All right. Um, all of you know that we, uh, well, not all of you know, I shouldn't just assume that. Uh, we, ever since we were young, have liked Disney. We're kind of Disney fanatics. And ever since our kids were young, we would take them. And it's just something that works well for our family. They're older. They all like it. It's a vacation we can all enjoy together. Um, that doesn't, usually when we do things, it's kind of like dinner. One person, or maybe two people like the meal, but three of them don't. And the next night, one does. And, two, and so it's like, you can't make everybody happy. But when we go to Disney, it makes everybody happy. And so um, I was, we moved to the Carolinas about seven years ago. I can't believe it. It was July. These seven years, it's flown by. And so I had met another woman there. They were Disney fanatics like us, too. And so um, we just got to share stories and how much they love it and um, all the cool things they do and um, while they're there, the things that they like, their favorites, their favorite restaurants, blah, blah, blah. So uh, she was sharing with me that that Christmas, her father-in-law had given all of them a gift. And there is her husband and then two other siblings. And so he said that um, he was going to give them each $500, and he wanted them to start setting aside for the whole family to go on a trip to Disney together. So it was going to be the grandparents and the three other siblings. Well, the couple that had been and was obsessed with Disney like us, um, they were like, woohoo, and they're like, okay. And, and the, um, the father-in-law said the thing he was going to do was he wanted them, there was kind of a little catch, he gave them the $500, and what he wanted them to do, though, is he wanted them to set it aside and keep building upon it. He wanted them to add to it every month, every week, whenever they could add to it. And then in the end, he was going to match whatever they put in the account. So that was pretty cool. The catch was, though, it was going to take two years. They had to work on this for two years, and then wherever they ended up, he would match it. So the couple who was like us, who like knows everything about Disney, um, they were like, okay, well, we're going to, we don't have been able to stay in the really nice hotels because they have different levels of hotel you can go at. Usually you got to stay at the cheapy one so you know how to, you know, work all the, all the bargains. And so they said, we want to stay in a fancy hotel this time, so we're going to just start saving for that. We're going to, they have a meal plan where you get to go to all the fancy restaurants um, and the meal plan comes with it, so it will be taken care of. So they were like super excited. We're on a mission. Um, the other ones were like excited. One of the couples had never been to Disney before, so they were just like, okay, we'll go with the group. So that was the end I had heard of it. A few years had passed, I ran into her, and I asked her, um, oh, by the way, how did your trip go? And she was like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. We got to stay at the best hotel. We stayed with our in-laws there. We went to all the nice restaurants, and their restaurants, when I say nice restaurants, I mean, they have um, what they call counter service, where you can go get chicken nuggets and a burger. But they're nice restaurants. If you get the meal plan, and you can pick anything off the menu, and it can be anywhere from a $35 to $50 steak, and that's all inclusive, and you get your drinks for free, and all that. So this was like a big deal. They were super excited. Um, so she was just going on about what a great time it was, how awesome it was. But she said there was a few awkward moments that were kind of a little bit of a pain, but they all still had a really good time. And I was, well, what was awkward? 
She said the other couple, um, they didn't save as much money, so when it got matched, it wasn't as much, and they had to stay at one of the other value resorts, which was fine. They still had a good time, but they couldn't all be together. So that part was a pain when they want to go swimming. They had to be separated. And then when they went to dinner, that was the awkward part because the other couple got to go to the nice, fancy restaurants, and the ones that didn't save enough money didn't get to go. So there were some awkward moments there. And then the last couple, um, they didn't go at all. They had been saving the money for a little while, and then they wanted to do something else with it. And uh, before that, they didn't want to wait, so they just went and did a weekend at Myrtle Beach, and that was that. So she said that part was just kind of awkward not having them there. So I was pondering this story and kind of relating it to us that God has given us all these opportunities to build up our heaven, our life in eternity, um, these rewards that he's given us. And because I, I had asked her why, too, why did they not, why did she think that they um, weren't able to save the money? And she just said, well, they had never been before, so they weren't as excited as everybody else. They couldn't really envision themselves there. They couldn't picture it. So it didn't mean as much to them because they'd never been there before. And so... Um, how with some of us, we're going to be like each one of those. It's almost kind of like the talents. That with some of us, we're going to work hard um, at seeking out what our call is on this life here. Lord, what do you want me to do? And we're going to have these great rewards in heaven. And then there's going to be some that get into heaven, but they're going to have the Myrtle Beach experience instead of the beach fancy experience. I don't want to be the Myrtle Beach experience. I want it all. I want it all. So I'm going to share with you a couple other ways of, well, before I do that, I'm just going to say one little thing. I like to find things to apply to our lives. And um, I know we all have struggles. I've been hanging out with some moms lately that are, you know, have just, just struggling. And so I said, well, you know, I've been pondering on this word lately, and it, it helps me, so I'm just going to share it with you. And um, I'm trying to live, I don't get it every day or every time, but I'm trying to live a life that is based upon my eternity and its eternal value. What do I mean by that? So a recent struggle comes up and I get all worked up about it. It's a big deal. It's changing my life. It's very stressful. Um, but every time I get caught up in that, I have to bring myself back and go, what value does this circumstance have for my eternity? So I look at it, and I'm looking all around it, and I, not one thing that's happening to me right now is going to have anything to do with my eternal life. The only thing that has to do with it is what my response is to it. How am I going to act towards it? Um, what am I going to do about it? But the actual circumstance that I'm going through right now has nothing to do with my eternity that's going to be forever. So why am I going to let it allow, allow it to take up so much time in my life, so much frustration, so much worry, so much stress? And if you keep getting your mind to start living for eternity, it'll change your perspective. It'll change what you get worked up about. Uh, your pastor had a famous saying, we even made him t-shirts one day for his birthday, and we all use this a lot. Um, 
if we're going through something and he'll be all like, he'll listen to us, you know, explain all the stress and everything. And he'll be like, but you know what? In five years, it's not going to matter. Five years is not going to matter. And eternity is not going to matter. Try and try and think of something that happened to you a year or two ago that you were totally stressed out about. Totally. Worked up, sick, couldn't eat, didn't want to work, miserable around people. Are you stretching to try and even think of what, what it was? Because it doesn't matter. Now, how you responded to it, what you did with it, that's going to have eternal value for you. But that actual circumstance doesn't matter. We live in the present so much. And just remember, it's a dot. This present time is only a dot. Let's start living for what gives the eternal value. All right, so here's, I'm wrapping it up with this. And I'm going to tell you a few things that count so you would know in your mind what counts as a reward in heaven. So I'm just going to throw some out. Obeying God. If you obey God, you're going to get a reward in heaven for that. If you're in his will, how many times have we reacted to a situation and because we're trying to control it, we've actually come out of the will of God? But if you're in his will, you're going to get a reward for that. Are you in your calling? Are you doing what God's called you to do? Are you using your gifts and talents for what he called you to do? That will give you a reward. Our actions, how we act, that will give you a reward. We heard our persecution. So don't take it so bad now when you're persecuted. Like, okay, reward in heaven. That's another one for me. It's all right. Prayer. Prayer's a biggie, and I'm guilty of this. Um, I pray a lot in my head, and that's good. You can, so you can be driving down the road. It doesn't have to be on your hands and knees. That, that counts. But sometimes I know when it's not enough, and I know he's calling me for more and out of my own laziness or busyness of life, I don't want to. Um, prayer, you'll get a reward. Doing our work for God, you'll get a reward. And every single one of these I'm reading, um, I have scriptures to go with them to. Not read those, but they're all backed up by a scripture. Um, your godliness, your influence, your character, those are all going to give you reward in heaven. Um, having integrity is going to give you reward. Giving. This is a biggie. Loving those who don't love us. You're going to have a reward in heaven for that. Your faithfulness. Your humility. Your humbleness will get you rewards for eternity. Our words, the words that we use. Um, how we influence others, and honoring. Um, I thought it would be fun to, in your mind, think of, because we've heard, like, you know, um, in my kingdom there will be many mansions and all of that. So just for that, we don't know what heaven's going to look like. We have little glimpses, and it talks about the streets being made with gold, and our minds really can't comprehend any of it. And is it really going to be, like, if it says a mansion, is it really going to be, like, a mansion? I don't know. It could be a spiritual mansion. It could be, we don't know. But for fun, to kind of put a visual with, with this, let's just say they're actual physical mansions that we're each going to have. So you finally get to have your mansion um, in heaven. And so now let's stop for a minute 
and look at all of these things that are rewards and think about what your mansion might look like. So maybe obeying God gets me a pool. So I got this big lush pool with the spa and everything. Okay? Um, being in his will gets me three stories instead of two. Um, let's see. Being persecuted, that was a big one, so I think that might give me some bling. Get a little bling in my house. Um, having a good attitude, maybe that's going to get me a really cool um, sound system and TV, you know, the whole big, like, the, the theater system at my house. So what is your mansion going to look like? If we could all stop and think about these things that we've done through the life we've had so far, however, what your age is, what do you think your mansion looks like right now if it really act, looked like a physical building? Do you have a pool? Do you get that cool movie theater sound room? Or is it a shack? Because we've already established that we're going. For the most part, we go, you know, we go before him and he judges us. But say we get past that, we're all going and we all have a place. But it's like our mind can't comprehend that we're going to have different things going. Like, he might put you in charge of something. Depending on what you've done here, if you've shown that you've been a good leader and you've been faithful, when you get to, to heaven, he may have you in charge of something. We just think it's all going to just be the same thing. We don't get it. I hope this is provoking you a little bit to start thinking about your eternity because it's like that retirement plan. If you don't start doing something about it now, you are going to get there and wish that you had. And it's not like the technology we have right now. You can't fake out God. You can't cheat him. You can't um, photocrop it. Um, there's, you can't change it. It is what it is. He knows the score. He knows the record. But the exciting part is you can start now. It's not too late. You can do this. So I want you to start thinking about um, with an eternal mindset instead of the one of this world. Um, when I told you that this is just skimming the surface, it really is. If you start reading about eternity, there is so much. And there's a whole section that I haven't even touched yet that's about crowns. There are certain things that if you do, God is going to give you a crown. There are five crowns, and it lists all the different... That's a whole other word. Have you, someone said this to me recently. Uh, it was the, I'm working on a senior barbecue at the school, and some stuff had come up, so I was like, oh, I can't make it to the meeting. And so she was reading everything that I had to do, and she's like, oh, my gosh. And then she's like, well, that's going to be another gem in your crown. And I was like, she doesn't know I'm working on this word? And I'm like, you know what? Oh, yes, it is. But if we think like that, my, it kind of like picked me up a little bit. I was like, okay, well, this struggle that I've got going on right now is going to be another gem for my eternity. It's going to be another reward, and it's a lot easier to work for a reward than it is to just be stuck in the, str the struggle and think it has no significance. But it does. It has a significance for your eternity. So this is really just a tease to just kind of provoke your mind a little bit. Um, when you walk out the door and something happens, look at it and go, okay, does this have anything to do with my eternity? And if it doesn't, then, eh, okay, I'm going to let it go. Um, so... Let's start living for eternity because it will definitely be worth it. Okay? I love you guys. I hope it provoked you a little bit. You're welcome. Hallelujah.